This is Jerome McGinley, and you're listening to Get the Puck Out. All right, guys, sauce a pass and grab my ass. We're back for another episode of Get the Puck Out, brought to you by TarpsOffHockey.net, um, where is where our podcast is is mostly going to be. So you go on over there. You can play this podcast right through there or anywhere you get your podcast today. I have the the World Hockey Report man, the twelve ounce sport, the twelve ounce sportsman, uh, Cody Jansen in the house. How's it going, Cody? How are you, buddy? Buddy, doing great. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. Good to see you. Good to see you. We've always talked on Twitter. I think we started talking on Twitter like once I kind of started even putting my foot into this kind of uh, this circle that we call internet content creation. So like I've kind of been following your stuff and I know you are always on my stuff and I appreciate that, man. That's why it was a good thing when I came by your program the other day, which is awesome, by the way. I love how you can live stream right to uh, right to Twitter like that. Now, do you just use Streamlabs to do that? No, it's... um. I mean, Jeff Beck and 12 ounce sports have it all set up. So I use like OBS and then there's like a restream key. So it goes like, like we're on Zingo TV. That's the biggest platform there. So that's like, if you like a Roku or a fire stick, but it also goes to like Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, their website, like just a, a bunch of different places. It's pretty cool. It's awesome actually. Yeah, man, that's deadly. And I mean, that's a part of the future of pod. Like once I saw your show set up, even like my inner business guy was like, Oh Yeah. This guy's on it fast, so I'm good to see that you're having success there. And you're also doing some radio spots too, uh, AM 930. Is that what you're on? Is that, the, is that the Edmonton one, or do I got that wrong? No, no, you're wrong there. It's, it's 630, Chad. 630, so that's it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, hey. Chad. It's, it's AM radio. It's, it's, host, it's home of the Oilers. So, no, it's awesome. It's, it's great up here. A lot that's of the guys it. have been great. Many no, that's awesome, man. I, I approve. That's really cool that you're uh, able to dive in. I mean, how is the mood right now around Edmonton, uh, <laughs> considering what happened in the bubble and Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, the two, arguably the two best players in the world, sent home pack, and people got to be freaking out. The wounds are healing. They're, they're healing. At first, it was a it was a nightmare. I mean, I help out pre and post game show as well, and so like post game was insane like people are ready to blow up this team already like yeah. just, just give it patience like I get it the Oilers aren't a perfectly built team and I think that Ken Holland and Dave Tippett know that but like yeah. they've got some good prospects coming up right so I I think for Edmonton in general if they kind of just take a step back realize hey we've got some great young defensive prospects coming up we got some good forwards as well you know yeah we're gonna have to make a few moves acquire some good players I, I don't know. I just feel like everyone just right away hits the panic button. Like, yes, it sucked for Oilers fans, but let's give Ken Holland more than 12 months before yeah. we try to can this guy. Yeah, and he deserves that. I mean, I think that they saw improvement already under him in the 100%, one, in one 100%. season. So, like, to get really your panties in a knot, I wouldn't go there yet <laughs> if I'm an Edmonton Oilers fan. But they do have an interesting offseason. Right off the hop, you said they're going to need to make a couple of moves. If you're Ken Holland, where do these couple of moves start? Man, it's got to start in goal, doesn't it? Like, I mean, I get it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, you'd want to unload a contract like Chris Russell, and that should be one of the priorities. But, man, you, you got to find a goaltender. You got to find someone who is going to be the number one guy. Do I think Braden Holpe is going to be better than Miko Koskinen? Probably not at his price point. Do I think Matt Murray is going to be the answer? That's a 50-50. I, I'm putting Matt Murray a little bit higher on my list. Even, like, Kudobin's been good, but, like, is Dallas going to 
you know, kind of hand him over. I don't really see What's that. What's going to happen with Tuka Rask in Boston? I mean, I know that all this he's stuff happened, there. but even he's, he's staying there. He's they, there. Yeah, because I mean, it was so weird. They like came out and were like, no emergency. And then he's like, it was an emergency. And they're like, yeah, it was an emergency. But at first, <laughs> They stirred up the like, oh, he doesn't want to fucking be here crowd. And the, the explanation that they gave the team kind of gave off that vibe. Like people were like, oh, anyone mad at Tuka Rask? It was like, well, the team kind of spun it like, like it wasn't an emergency. He just wanted to go home. And then it's like, oh, it was an emergency. So I know you're always towing that line between giving out information, you know, Tuka Rask happens to find himself in a position where he's got to end up coming out to the Boston media and saying like, uh, no, I did have an emergency. It was just a very strange situation. I don't think he goes anywhere either, but I don't know necessarily if he's going to come back and play hockey once his contract's done, which I think is actually up after next season. Yeah, he's got one more year, and that's you brought up a perfect point. You hit the, the nail on the head there. He's done. It's He'll play one more year, and – I would not be surprised to see him take a backseat role next year, like play a lot less games. Like I'm talking like 50-50 with Halak. And there's no way they're going to move him on that contract when it's – I don't want to say he's unmotivated because we have no clue what's going on in his personal life. That's that right. whole situation was messy, as you said. But from the sounds of it and from some of the people that I've talked to as well is, you know, maybe that motivation's gone a little bit. That last playoff loss – it, it really affected them. And that's hard being away from your family that long on these deep runs. And then hundred percent. And especially like him, who's a little bit older, he's done a lot, man, you know, maybe spending three months in a bubble isn't ideal for him with his current family situation, which would realistically, which none of we us have know. no We're idea not, what's family. going on. Right. And that's where it got cloudy. It's like the team should have just said, yeah, he got the call. Everything's okay, but he got the call and like, he had to go. But like the way that they were like, no, everybody's fine. This is just a decision he had to make and we support him. That kind of gave out a bad, like, I don't know if it it's uh, Don Sweeney or like just the Bruins PR in general, but I thought they botched that a bit there, but moving on from these teams and their PR departments, let's talk about the fun. We have the second round of the NHL playoffs off and underway. We had the Dallas stars come up with a big victory over the Colorado avalanche, which came at a deep price. Grubauer out. Um, Calvert's out, and who else is out? They have one more. Eric Johnson as well. Yeah, Eric Johnson is out as well. So you're looking at a team that's depleted. They play game two tonight. Dallas Stars all of a sudden playing some great hockey. Joe Pavelski has been a great story. Um, Then that first game, we'll talk about him in a little bit. But I wanted to get into the two games last night. You had the Tampa Bay Lightning and Boston Bruins. Um, I don't think either one of these teams expected to meet each other in the second round, but this matchup was destiny. You could tell in those couple games right before COVID struck uh, that, that they knew this day was going to come. And I think the game lived up to the hype. It was uh, fast paced, good chances, hard hitting, scrumming, good old fashioned playoff hockey. That saw the Bruins squeak out a three to two victory. Got a little dicey at the end there, but there was a point in the first period. And then in the bit of the third period early on where the Bruins really carried the play. That's such a tap of a thing though. They play seven minutes in a hockey game and they end up in a three, two game. Like you can thank Vasilevsky for that. That's the only player who really showed up for Tampa. I mean, they, I've, I've said it before, they don't have a leader on that team, and that's the problem. Like, it sucks that Stamkos is out, don't get me wrong, but he's not that guy who, who, who's the engine of the Tampa Bay Lightning. They, they don't have someone 
who's yeah. that engine? Especially in playoffs, Kucherov's not that guy. Braden points as close as it gets. Headman. Is... And he might be a little young to ask to do that role. Exactly. Yeah, he can probably do it one day, but he's still finding his way through. I'm not willing to write Tampa Bay off, but I think that anybody who was just counting out Boston yesterday really like has some egg on their face. That's going to be a long series. I'll, I mean, I, I, I picked Boston to win the series. And so did I in six. Not, I'm, yeah, I'm not even writing off Tampa. It's more so... I just like Boston's leadership. I mean, they got the perfection line, but also like up and down the lineup. I feel like they get a lot more contribution in the heart and soul factor. It's, it's, it's kind of those guys that are willing to go balls to the wall at every shift. Tampa Bay does not have that. And that's why they get hemmed in their zone for two minutes at a time. That's why Columbus, a terrible hockey team, gave them a run for their money. Yeah, and you know what? You saw that on the third goal last night. Uh, I think it was Shattenkirk coming out of his zone, and Bergeron just swiped the puck from him, gave it to Pasternak, backhand pass to Marshawn, back of the net, like, bang. You like you could tell they weren't playing a team with any good forechecking forwards or any sort of speed and skill <laughs> because at times Tampa Bay's defense didn't have matched the urgency of Boston's forecheck at all, and it was a problem. 100%. No, you hit the nail on the head there. Like, and, and it's not to say Columbus is a terrible hockey team. On paper, they're brutal. I mean, they, they're well coached. They're well, well coached, yeah. But, like, you're going to tell me that Columbus is anywhere remotely close to Boston? No. Like, no. Boston would have done to Columbus what they did to Carolina. It would have been done in five. If, you know, if there was maybe a few less distractions, probably done in four. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And I agree with that. And then last night we saw the heavy hitting Vegas Golden Knights take on the young kids, Vancouver, and it wasn't pretty. Five, nothing. You had Roussel getting into it with Ryan Reeves. Ryan Reeves was all over that game last night in the middle of everything. Um, you know, I feel bad for Vancouver. They've done such a, a great job so far. You know, Patterson, Quinn Hughes, Bob, Brock Bester, they, you know, JT Miller. They've had some great performances. Markstrom's been a marvel between the pipes. He has. But this Vegas Golden Knights team is built to win. They're heavy. They keep coming at you. They have a whole bunch of, like, second-line guys even on their third lines. You know, you know like, they just, they're, they're super solid built. And then you got – uh, Robin Lehner giving them some goaltending uh, in net that is obviously doing very well for them. And we'll get into that controversy in a sec. But first off, I want to say, what, what, what did you think about last night's game? I mean, that was about as one-sided as it gets. It was dominant by Vegas. And I think they really wanted to make their mark. I think they heard some of the rumblings of, oh, Vancouver, the young up-and-comers, the next thing for the NHL. And Vegas just, they, they shut that down. They were like, nope, enough of that shit. Let's move on. Let's play yeah. our hockey. And let's play our style. Like they had 54 hits. I want to say, I think that's what John Shannon said earlier today. And oh. so like, I, I, I mean, they absolutely, they just beat the piss out of Vancouver. And if St. Louis would have done the exact same thing Vegas did last night and play hard, physical hockey, fast for checking, don't give them any time and space. St. Louis would have won that series. No problem. The thing is St. Louis tried to go skill for skill with Vancouver and Vancouver's incredibly skilled. I mean, you see it too. Like yeah. they're, they're a great team. They got great players. Like I love watching Quinn Hughes. Jacob yeah. Markstrom's still a good goaltender. He could have come up with yeah. a couple of big saves yesterday, but I mean, you know, Peterson, he was kind of left out to dry, right? For sure. For sure. But like, that's, those are the playoff saves you need. Look at you, Bennington exactly, last right? year. Look exactly. at Hockey a couple of years ago. You know, it's those, those are the saves that you need. You gotta in the get if you're going to win the Stanley cup and especially upset a team as good as Vegas. 
Oh, exactly. And like Vegas just plays the style that Vancouver can't. It's as simple as that. Like if, if uh, Vancouver has Furland and Toffoli in the lineup, this is a totally, we're not even talking about this. Like we're talking about this is a more even matchup. These teams are going toe to toe, but when Anton Roussel's your only half-assed physical, <laughs> I don't even know what to call Yeah, him. like, like they're a, not even their tough guy, but he's there. like their guy who can kind of mix it up a little bit. Yeah, when you go yeah. up. Ryan Reeves, like, I mean, he's a marvel, that guy. I mean, he does it all. No one he, can do he, what he does. No. no one can do what he does, and especially at his bill. I mean, what they're paying him, everyone's going to be like, oh, Tom Wilson can do this. Tom Wilson gets paid four times as much. Ryan Reeves has more playoff points this year than Tom Wilson did. Like, eh, I, I, I mean, I'm with you, man. I'll, especially at yeah. the money they're at, I'll take Ryan Reeves over Tom and Wilson. I, I love, yeah, you can and put I love Ryan Tom Reeves Wilson. on Ovechkin's yeah. line. But yeah, but you yeah. could put Reeves out there with those guys and he'd put the puck in the net and smash guys. And that yeah. guy's the king, man. He's a good time. He was having fun. He was smiling at Roussel yeah. in the penalty box. It just felt like when you watch like your older brother when you're a kid, like and you're just going up against <laughs> him and you, you think you're going to get him and he just kicks your yeah, ass. Yeah, he keeps like, throwing you off to the side. That was basically it. I just pictured Vancouver getting their head held by, by Ryan Reeves trying to run at him to throw a punch. And yeah, I mean, it was some bully style hockey. Now, speaking of bully tactics, we saw Mark Andre Fleury's agent, Alan Walsh, put up a photo out of Mark Andre Fleury making a save and a sword going through the back of him through his heart. And on the sword, it says DeBoer, who is obviously Peter DeBoer, the head coach of the van uh, of the Las Vegas Golden Knights. First off, did Mark Andre Fleury know about it ahead of time? Do you think? And second of all, what are like what are just your general thoughts on it? I mean, I have some myself, which I absolutely okay. I would have never sent that without asking Mark Andre Fleury. I just he just wouldn't have. I have a hot take conspiracy theory which I'll get to, but also like hundred percent Fleury knows. And Fleury goes, Oh, I told him to take it down right away. It was up for like nine hours. Yeah. Like, right aways give me a break. And I yeah. get it. Maybe Walsh is mad. Walsh has always been one to defend his players when he thinks oh, he one does. way. Yep. Hey, I mean, he's, he's got a billion or he's earned his players over a billion dollars in contracts. Like give the, like tip your hat to that, whatever. Like, I mean, he's got every one of us blocked on. Yeah, man. He's, yeah. <laughs> yeah <it's kinda laughs> but like, I mean, here's also a thing and we have no clue what goes on behind the scenes, right? Like we're, we're not in the dressing room. We're out of these conversations. Is Vegas shopping around Marc-Andre Fleury? Are they saying, man, Robin Leonard has been good. Maybe if we, can move Flurry to a team, are we going to be able to sign Leonard? And I, I mean, Leonard's and Leonard will come said, in at less money too. There's a very good chance. There's a very good chance. And this is why Alan Walsh is all pissed off is because Flurry's been their poster boy. Flurry has been the Vegas Golden Knights since day one. He was their biggest addition to start. Absolutely. He's the fan favorite. Everyone loves him. And so, you know, if Vegas is looking to shop him around. Yeah, I, 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 the DeBoer thing throws me off a little bit, coach, manager. Like, there's obviously a little confusion there. But, like, I don't know. There, there's so many things that we don't know. But end of the day, like, it's immature from Alan Walsh. But should it really surprise anyone with all of his other antics, like what he did with Froelich in Calgary? No, I'm not surprised. No, exactly. That's what I mean. Like, you got to consider the source when something like this happens. But <laughs> one thing is people were like, oh, he will probably have to fire his agent. That gives him a bad name. I'm like, nah, his agent would have never sent that without asking him. Marc-Andre yeah, Fleury, no he green-lighted it, and then the, the perception was like, oh, that's bad for his teammates. And then he was like, oh, shit, that's probably true. Shut it down, right? So The that, only that, thing like said, Fleury didn't do there was share it around himself. 
Exactly, right? I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah, the, the only thing that could have made it worse was a retweet, right? Other than that, um, he was very much involved in that. And I don't blame him. I think that at the end of the day, a team like Edmonton or Calgary or somebody, there'll be a home out there somewhere for Marc-Andre Fleury. I think Vegas is crazy if they think that they won't have to keep a little percentage of that contract or like sweeten the pot with a good young player or something like that. But we'll see how it goes. When Imagine it. Imagine a team like Edmonton, if someone said Marc-Andre Fleury's on the market and he's willing to come, like you're going to tell me that there's not some, or Calgary, any, man, Marc-Andre Fleury is still a starting NHL goaltender and he's still yeah. a guy who was Stanley Cup. He's going for Stanley Cup number four. Vegas wins this year, which they very well could. I like, think they are. Man. Cup for four, five, like, I don't know who's the last NHL goaltender with four Stanley Cups. Does I don't know if they got four. I know Grant Fuhr has five or six. Um, I don't know about Patrick Waugh, though, because he only won the one cup in Colorado and one cup in – no, he won two in Montreal. And how many – did he win two in Colorado? I don't know. Hold on. You know what? I don't even care. We're going we're gonna to look this up. I don't care if everybody's listening to this podcast and it doesn't sound professional. If, I, I mean, if I don't I look it up, I need to. Jacques Plant has six. Same with Charlie Hodge, Ken Dryden, Turk Broda. Grant Fear's got five. Yeah, he's got four. He won in 86, 93, 96, 2001. Yeah. So, so Patrick Waugh has four. Like you said, though, like that is elite company regardless of what you're talking about. Marc-Andre Fleury. You know, backstop Matt Murray to a Stanley Cup, too. Let's not forget yeah. how Murray gets the credit for that, but it was basically Fleury who took him the whole damn way. So I'm with you. I'm, I, if you can find a way to, to acquire Marc-Andre Fleury, if you're Edmonton, you have to do it. It doesn't matter what it costs. Um, you really have to, you have, to, you have to solidify between the pipes because uh, Koskinen and Mike Smith or Talbot or whoever, um, sorry, Talbot, aren't good enough. Like, they're just certainly not good enough, Mike Smith and, uh, and Koskinen. So, I don't know where they're going to turn to, man. I, like, where do they turn outside of Marc-Andre Fleury? I mean, I know Braden Holpe's out there, you had said. What about Pecorine, though? He didn't get a game. That's another interesting guy is Pecorine. He didn't get a game. He's, he's Finnish and he's loyal. And they're up-and-comer. You see Saros is Finnish and he's young. He, he's, he's happy to be in that mentorship role. Renning's happy to kind of hand the reins over. And that, that's everything I've heard from, you know, people in Nashville. And we've got some okay. pretty good connections out there as well. And so, like, he's going to hand the reins off to Saros. And then, I mean, they've got Connor Ingram coming up, who's been an American League hockey all-star like two, yeah. three times. I mean, Ingram's good. He was, he was, I mean, he was starting over Carter Hart for the World Juniors until, <laughs> yeah. you know, he had one run against Sweden in the semis. So, yeah. like, the future's bright in Nashville. Let's, let's, like, I get it. Like, Pecorino, you're kind of like, man, where's he gone? But people forget, like, this guy gave him, like, 15 great years. I oh, mean, yeah. Like, 15, like, 10, like 10, no. 10 amazing years. Great hockey in that with, for Pecorino. Yeah. That's why I'm just trying to think of options because. I am sick of seeing Connor McDavid not have any playoff success because I love that guy. That guy's the best hockey player I've ever seen. And we, we, we certainly need to see a deep run from the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid or else he's going to have to decide if, if he can stay out that way and if he can succeed out there. Yeah. And I never say never because Wayne Gretzky was traded, right? So you know what? He very oh, well could get sick of it. Um, 
I, I want to bring up also uh, the St. Louis Blues, you said, got knocked out by Vancouver. Alex Petrangelo coming up as a free agent this offseason. He got, does the post-media scrum at the end and, you know, kind of very very standoffish about the question and gave a, I don't know, we'll see. What do you think about uh, Alex Petrangelo's situation with the St. Louis Blues? I mean, I don't know if it's to be said that he's, it's a known situation that he was pissed with the Falk deal, but like, what a joke. If you watched Falcon playoffs, like he's oh, a good team, dude. And like Edmondson is so it, good, dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, he is, he, he's, it, it's still, I mean, the, the trade, the move still baffles me of like, you see what succeeded in playoffs for St. Louis and they went and put it in the blender. They went for skill and speed all of a sudden yeah, exactly. You're on the risk of losing Edmondson, Jay Bolmeister and Alex Petrangelo. In the in the matter of a year, yeah, man, those were three. Insane. Like, yeah, like I get it. Like Jay Bo was like, you know, that, that's that's health issues. It's a little bit different, but like, man, that's three huge pieces. Like Washington's a proven fact of like what happens when you lose key pieces to your Stanley Cup winning team. That's what happens now. St. Louis is just blowing up in their own faces, and yeah, that's going to be tough for them I, to make it work because they only have like what two million dollars in cap space for next year, and they need to they would need to a, sign Petrangelo and Vince Dunn, and Vince Dunn isn't going to get nothing. Well, he's probably what a four million dollar defenseman, so you're probably already six million bucks in the hole. Like unless they can move a, a Steen, a Bird, I don't know, they're going to be in tough to keep him, and if they lose him. You know, the people in Toronto already have a half chub in their pants thinking about that. And if they could move one of those forwards there, uh, you know, of the $40 million no success story top four they have, they're going to have to make one of those guys available and and pick up some back-end help as well. So, I mean, certainly a lot of interesting options out there and uh, interesting coaching options too, as you saw the um, Washington Capitals fired their head coach um Reardon uh what did you think about them firing I mean I thought that was pretty much to be expected and uh and and, I mean you look at a team that should have just paid Barry Trotz the money you look where the New York Islanders are now and that isn't a very good roster what a coach he is yeah that's a no-brainer right there like if you think about it like they still owe Reardon for the next two years at like two million bucks they're just shy of two million bucks and so now you have to pitch on another two million, say for a coach. So you're playing four million bucks anyways. Why wouldn't you just sign Barry Trotz for four million in the first place? Exactly. Pay him what he's worth. And so like, and now, man, if they're not all over Gerard Gallant, like I don't know what they're doing because they need an experienced coach that can come in and set a precedence for that room because that core has one or two more years, and they're done. If they if they want to go young, like a young coach again, they better blow up the team. Because they right now kind of, it's it's you win now or you set yourself up for five years down the road and trade off every single one you can get value for. Yeah, man, I agree with you there. And I think that there's going to be some other veteran head coaches uh, that they look to. Peter Laviolette is a name I could see. Bruce Boudreaux is a name I could see. At the Even uh, I saw Gregor say this too, and I thought it off okay. the top. I mean, his value's never been lower out there. He's never going to get the money that the Toronto Maple Leafs paid him. Mike Babcock is a veteran coach. And you saw the GM say, this is a veteran team. You know, we keep giving them first-year, second-year head coaches. I think we need an experienced head coach. I agree with you. Gerard Gallant's that guy. But even more than that guy is Mike Babcock. And, I mean, I wonder if they could uh, be the team. Here, that- here's, here's where the players get a veto. Yeah. 
Here's where the players get a. The players are gonna. The players would not go for it. No chance. I don't see Alex Ovechkin wanting to play for Mike Babcock. And like, man, that's a Sasky guy right there. Like, I mean, he's done some great things. You know, in our home province of Saskatchewan, where where I'm from, where Adam's from, with World Hockey Report, and like, Bab has done some great things. But he's also got a pretty bad reputation in in, in a lot of other places. Which, well, after the Mitch Marner it, stuff, right? There, there, there's so many different tons of things. things. Everyone thinks he's a dick. I mean, oh, hundred wow. percent. That's like he's he's been known to be a hard ass, you know, dick, whatever you want to call him. But like, do I think his style would work in Washington? Maybe. Do I think the players want to play that style? Nope. Probably they got not. The, they got their ring. That, that's true. That's true. And sometimes, you know, like you said, with Tuka Rask, uh, sometimes, you know, success can either fuel it and you want it again, or you get comfortable. And this looks like a core in a team that maybe is a little bit like, you know, Alex Ovechkin, it was always, is he ever going to win a Stanley maybe. Cup? Now he's got one. Now maybe they feel like mission accomplished. I don't think so, buddy, but I appreciate you coming by uh, and talking with us. Let everybody know where they can find you and uh, in your podcast. Again, it's a great podcast on 12 ounce sports. And uh, like you said, you do it through uh, Zingo TV, which is, which is really, really great, man. I mean, I, I can't say, I can't state enough how much I love how everything looks and the setup and, and the, the whole ordeal looks awesome. Hey man, you guys are crushing it too. I'm tarps off hockey fan. You know that already. Yeah, buddy, I'm, on, I appreciate right, it. I'm on Twitter at Janner 31 world hockey report, world hockey RPT pretty much everywhere. And so, yeah, we got the live show that goes Mondays and Fridays and gets podcasted after for those who don't catch the live show, but no, it's good and good. I mean, we appreciate the support. I mean, Hey, you were on the show. It was a great show there. I mean, yeah, buddy. You know, that you just see the numbers keep growing and people like what we're doing. People like the platform we're giving it. And I mean, you, you guys are running the, the exact same things. If you guys are just blowing up sportscaster, you guys, you guys are a sportscaster in my mind. But yeah, 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 yeah. And even the guy from sportscaster, it's funny. I love Nick shout out to Nick shoe pack. He's a fucking G and I don't even mind saying this, but it's funny, dude. Like his mind's blown at what we're doing off the hop. You know, we've only been a website since the end of June. There was no hockey. So realistically we've only been operating since about i don't know mid to end june and into early august and and to, to see the numbers we've got and shit is crazy and you're doing great too it's showing you that the shift is coming and i say this all the time i loved it i had a talk with nick kiprios uh ended up becoming friends with him right so if i ever have like a little bit of advice or whatever I'll, I'll speak to him and he just he just believes in the online movement so much too so for like guys like you and me it's just head down keep working man i love i love your shit and we'll definitely have to do this again yeah, buddy. No, hey, I mean, it's, it's, it's been working great. Like we're close to, I've been close to a hundred thousand total views now on the live shows. So that's beauty. They, man. They, they, things, that. things are rolling, man. Things are rolling. And it's all because, you know, you guys supporting us, we support you. It's, it's a small hockey world too in the media side. Yeah, dude. And we'll continue to do that because whenever you can join forces with like-minded people to tackle on, I mean, the, the, there is a whole establishment army of people that don't want us to succeed. And, and uh, believe me, once we keep coming on the radar, they'll be coming for us too. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be having to put on our bulletproof vests. And uh, you know what? It's already started a couple of times. So that just means we're all doing the right thing and shaking the right cages that we have to, buddy. Appreciate you coming by, buddy. Great talk. And uh, we'll do this again soon. Got that there. Sorry about midway through there. I just.